Section 14 of The Golden Porch. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Claire. The Golden Porch by W. M. L. Hutchinson. The Pansy Baby, Chapter 1. King Aeptos of Arcadia was a lonely man when he grew old, for he had neither son nor daughter, and his queen was dead. There were no cities in his country, which was a land of wooded hills, and green dales dotted with countless sheep, and few strangers crossed the steep mountains that shut it in on every side. All the king's wealth was in his flocks and herds. His palace was built of oaken timbers, and no one ever wished to make war upon him, because he had little silver and less gold in his dwelling to tempt a spoiler. So there was nothing for him to do, after he was grown too old to go hunting, save to drive a sleek mules and well-burnished car about the uplands, visiting his sheepfolds or the solitary huts of his woodcutters and goat herds. One day in the summertime, while he watched the sheep shearing on a hillside, two serfs came out of the oak woods where they herded his swine, driving a fat hog before them for the shearer's supper, and the elder was carrying a little child on his shoulder. "'Is that child yours, swineherd?' said King Aeptos. "'How come it then that she is arrayed so finely and it is white of skin as any princess?' "'She is none of mine, Lord King,' said the swineherd. "'It was but yesterday I found her in the woods, sleeping alone under a pine tree. "'I have brought her hither to know if it may please you to have her reared in your house, "'for it is well seen she is no peasant brat, but one that will scarce thrive on my rough fare of roots and acorn bread.' "'The king looked upon the foundling, and his heart was touched by her flower-like face. "'I will rear her as my own,' he said. "'Surely the gods have sent her to bring joy into my childless house.' So the child was brought up in the palace, and King Aeptos loved her as a daughter and gave her the name Evadne. She could remember nothing before her finding by the swineherd, except that she had fallen asleep under the pine tree in the lap of a lovely lady, with tresses black as night, who sang her a lullaby. Was that my mother? she would ask the king, and what was her name? Then he would answer, certainly it was your mother, and her name is Piatine. For Piatine means lady of the pine, and he guessed that Evadne's mother was the wood fairy who haunted that pine tree, but he never guessed that his fairy herself had sent him her child to take care of, because she knew her tree was going to fall, and as soon as that happened she would be no more. This is the fate of all the wood fairies, for they are the souls of the trees they inhabit, and they always know when their own tree is about to die. Therefore Evadne's fairy mother had invisibly led the swineherd where her babe lay sleeping, and she whispered, Take her to the king, so softly in his ear, that he fancied the words were only a thought which came to him while he heard the pine-tree rustle in the breeze. Now Evadne, when she grew a maiden, seemed beyond all doubt the true daughter of that lovely lady of the pine. Her slender body had the grace of a tall sapling, and her hair the blackness of fir woods when you see them against the sunset. That dusky hair is the chief glory of the pine fairies, though some say it is less beautiful than the auburn curls of their sisters who are ladies of the beeches or the flaxen locks of those others who haunt is the silver birch king aeptus thought it not strange that the child of such a mother should love to wander in the woodlands gathering flowers and berries rather than to weave at the loom and broider robes like other maidens nor did he ever hinder evadne from roaming early and late to her heart's content but as time went on, it was told him once and again by his herdsmen and shepherds that she wandered not alone. They had seen a golden-haired stranger walking beside her through forest glades, or sitting at her feet in some mountain meadow. The king was grieved that his foster child should meet a lover in secret, as though she feared he would forbid her the desire of her heart, and he said to her, 
My child, you are of the age when maidens are wedded, and it may well be that you have seen some youth whom you think worthy of your hand. If it be so, fear not to tell me, for I would gladly see you made a bride before I die, though my house will lack its one jewel when you leave it. Avadni answered, blushing rosy red, More than a father have you been to me, and I will never leave you. I have seen no mortal whom I would choose for my lord. Yet after this she kept away from the king's presence, and would often pass whole days and nights in the summer woods. At last he was sure that the maiden had some secret which she would not tell him, and he thought he would journey to the holy temple at Delphi, and ask counsel of the priestess, for his mind was sorely troubled by this thing. Many leagues he journeyed in his mule chariot over the Arcadian mountain, passes, and over the lands beyond, till he came to the rocky glen that is called Delphi, where the god Apollo gives oracles to men from his golden shrine, speaking by the mouth of his priestess. Now the inner chamber of that temple is built over a deep cleft in the rock, and a three-legged stool of gold is set over the cleft, whereon the priestess sits when she makes reply to those who inquire of the god. For a cloudy vapor rises out of the cleft at certain seasons, and while it floats round the priestess she falls into a trance and chants divine words of prophecy or counsel, according as Apollo wills her to give his answer. King Aeptos offered sacrifice and burnt sweet incense on the temple altar, and the priestess bade him speak his request to Apollo, while she entered the inner shrine, where none else might set foot, and took her seat on the golden stool. Then he prayed to know why it was that Evadne passed all her days in the lonely woods, and kept her doings there a secret even from him to whom she had ever been dutiful and loving. Lord of truth, he said, show me what will come of this, be it good or evil. No longer may I endure to live in fear of some mischief to befall, dreading from day to day lest the maiden come home no more, and I lose the light of my old eyes for ever. As the king made an end of speaking, the cloud filled the holy place, and hid the form of the priestess from his sight. He knew that it was her voice which came to him out of the cloud, yet now it rang so loud and silver clear that it seemed the voice of the god himself. King of Arcadia, it sang, Return in peace to your home, for great joy waits you there. Behold I, even I myself, gave a gift to fairy Vodni in the green wood, and charged her to watch it well, keeping it hidden from all eyes. But now the time is at hand when my secret purpose shall be revealed, and you shall know the blessing that I have wrought you to recompense your love for your foster child. Say therefore to the maiden, Apollo bids you show me his gift, and in token that it is a true message, say also the gift he gave you on that day, when laying aside your scarlet girdle, you rested by the spring, where you had filled your silver and pitcher. Joyfully then the king sped him home again, but Evadne met him with never a smile, and her face was pale as death, and when she heard the message of the god, she broke into a long weeping. Alas, my father, she said at last, these five days past I have sought in vain for Apollo's gift till my heart was like to break. A while I kept it safe in a green bower that I built with hazel twigs and a lonely dell, but now it is gone. I know not how, unless some wild beast has carried it away. What can the gift be, then, said Aeptos, if wild beasts could make prey of it? Tell me at least what it is, since you cannot show it me as the god bade. I will tell you, she said, both what it is and how it came to me. Many a time I had sight in the woods of beautiful shapes that I knew were not human creatures. Some of them were like my fairy mother, and there were others that rose out of the mountain streams or skipped on the sheer crags. I longed to speak with them, but always they vanished when I came near, till at last I saw one more glorious than them all, whose countenance shone like the sun. Golden-haired he was, and had a bow and quiver slung on his white shoulder. He did not fly me like the rest, but gave me gentle greeting, and we had sweet speech together then and many another day. 
That gracious friend told me not his name, but I learnt it ere long, for I heard the wood fairies whispering, Apollo, as we walked together in the forest glades. Then I was afraid, for who was I to have companionship with so great a god? But Apollo bade me have no fear. Only a little while could he stay in Arcadia, and then he must leave me for his heavenly dwelling, and I, he said, must content me with the lot of a mortal maiden in the house of my foster father. And he left me at last one noontide beside a spring, where I had given him drink from my silver and pitcher, and loosed my scarlet girdle, and lain down to sleep. In my sleep methought that he laid a purple pansy on my bosom, and said, I give you heart seas, Evadne, for a farewell gift. Guard it well, and speak of it to none, until the hour that shall be told you. At that I woke, and behold, he was gone, but instead of the pansy, a dark-eyed babe was lying on my breast. This is a strange marvel, said Aiptos, yet now I see plainly the purpose of the god. Doubtless he has given this child for a gladness and a blessing to my house. Take comfort, daughter, for he will surely be found, and Apollo will not have suffered harm to befall him. Then the king and all his men made great search in the woods, and Ibadne also went with them. At close of day they came upon a dingle filled, breast high with fern, and heard a cooing sound like baby laughter in the midst of the covert. Ibadne sprang through the tangled bracken, Aiptos following with the best speed of his old limbs. A wondrous sight it was that met their eyes in the heart of the brake. There nestled in a bed of pansies lay the lost child, his tender body aglow with the golden and purple gleams from the flowers that burned like jewels in the broad rays of sunset. On either side of him was coiled a bright-eyed snake, holding in its mouth a piece of honeycomb, and with that they fed the pansy baby while he stroked their emerald necks, laughing in delight. But Avadne trembled for the child, and at her cry of dread, those two strange guardians glided away. Then she caught him in her arms and gave him to the king, saying, "'Father, Apollo's gift is to you also.' Let this boy be a son to you in your old age. So they returned to the palace, glad at heart, and Avadne called the child Iamos, which in the speech of Arcadia meant heartsease. End of section 14